Rant and Rave is brought to you by Andrews Technology Group. Make sure you hit them up at A-N-D-R-E-W-S Technology Group.com. DJs, promoters, small business owners, get your technology and website needs met. Hey, Soka lovers, it's Soka Say So. And this chick. And we're back with a special limited series. We have our collection of global perspectives on the Black Lives Matter movement, and we wanted to make sure that we heard from people around the world so that they could tell us what they're seeing and why they think that people are breaking quarantine to hit the streets and make their voices heard. And this time, we are talking to Alison Thomas of Real Soka Deal out of the UK and getting her perspectives on the Black Lives Matter movement over there. I hope you enjoy episode two. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Allison Thomas of The Real Soka Deal, (laughs) a website based out of the UK, to tell us a little bit more about what is going on as far as race relations in the UK and the protest that is sweeping the world. Everyone around the world is getting on board and protesting in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we will talk to Allison about what is happening where she lives. But first, Allison, first, welcome to the Rant and Rave podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. Pleased to be talking to you guys. Nice. So tell us a little bit first just about the real Soka deal and what you do on your website. Okay, um, well, basically, I am a blogger and I am a lover of soca music. So I kind of decided to combine the two um, and really just get information out there to people in regards to events and uh, carnivals. Um, I've even got a database of all carnivals I've mapped around the world, which is around approximately about 120 carnivals. So you'll be able to go in and perhaps even just find a location or a country and find out how many carnivals are actually in that country with the geolocators also and all of the social media uh, information where possible I can add to the site. It's also quite informative. I write articles um, and I'm a big supporter of um, young up-and-coming musicians in Soka and also the smaller carnivals that people don't know about or can't quite reach. Nice. So what is your background? Like, where you, where's your family from? Which which islands you're repping? <laughs> <laughs> I'm repping, I'm repping three islands. I'm repping St. Vincent and I'm repping Trinidad and I'm repping Jamaica. My dad's side of the family is Jamaican from St. Elizabeth, uh, the breadbasket of Jamaica. And also St. Vincent, my mum was born in Union Island, but moved to Trinidad from when she was around nine. And so my family mostly comes from Laventil. So every time I go to Trinidad, that's where I stay in, in Laventil. Laventil, born and bred, love it. So that's my, my, my origins. And obviously I'm British born also. Nice. Oh, Laventil. I, I spent some time in Laventil. People will, will say what they want, but you get the best views of Trinidad from Laventil. I'm, I'm telling you, there's no place like Laventil. It's, it's the home of Pan. And also, it's almost like the heart of Carnival. It's where um, most of 
um, you could say some of the immigrants fled, not immigrants, sorry, the Africans and all the poor uh, people in Trinidad originally fled to and stayed around Laventil. Um, so it's got a lot of history there also, and they are fiercely protective of their community. So I feel quite safe when I'm in Laventil. I can't speak for anybody else coming in, but for me, it's home when I go to Trinidad. Nice. Oh, nice, nice. But you are your whole family now is in the UK? Yeah, uh, still in the uh, well, my mother sadly passed, but my, my dad's in Jamaica. That's my second home also. I also go there quite a lot. But the rest of my family, in terms of my siblings and, and aunts, uncles and cousins, yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're in the UK. I do have family in, in the US, in Brooklyn specifically, in New Jersey, <laughs> and, and dotted around elsewhere. But yeah, primarily the UK, American, Caribbean, my family. Wow, you've got you've got legs all over the place. That's wonderful. You've got a global perspective of of Soka and Carnival, which is how you can get your database up with all this information. And there are basically carnivals around the world. Absolutely. We've got carnival in Japan. My my niece has got relatives that live in Japan. I also know about soca in Japan and their movement to bring more soca there. As you know, Japanese love reggae. They love everything to do with the, the black culture and they have embraced soca. Um, I was supposed to go this year, obviously with COVID-19. I was supposed to go last year and help promote. I sponsored for this year, but obviously couldn't go. So it, it's a shame. But I'm looking looking to reach carnivals that people may not have even been to, um, don't even know about. And in particular in America, you have more carnivals in America there than there are in the Caribbean. There are many, many states that hold carnivals that people don't know about. Houston, mm -hmm. Philadelphia, Chicago. We all know about Miami. We know about Hollywood. We know about New York. But there are so many others that have carnivals out there that have a, a big black, black population also that separates it. Yeah, that's great. That that does show that people around the world can embrace and celebrate our culture. Obviously, with COVID-19, 2020 carnivals are pretty much scrapped. I know there are a few holding out, but they're pretty much scrapped. I mean, people are, are nervous about traveling, so I can't see that people are going to go to Miami, even though they canceled the road. They're still saying you can have parties there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a one for me. And I, I kind of wrote an article about this. And uh, when COVID-19 came out and they were telling people to stay at home, and when you saw the rapid spread, particularly in the, in the UK, I sat down and I thought, okay, we can't go to carnivals. You know, it's not going to happen. And, and promoters were still promoting carnivals, still promoting fets. And I felt... Like, okay, I understand that everyone has to make money, but I also thought it was a little bit irresponsible to still keep promoting something that just wasn't going to happen, mm -hmm. you know? And and that was a difficulty for me um, when I saw all of that stuff coming out and I knew the carnivals would have to cancel and I wrote to some of the carnival organisers saying, are you not going to cancel this? And I think everyone was holding out thinking, well, COVID-19 may have just been something that's spoken about, but it will go away. And it didn't go away. And obviously, the more fierce it got, the more people realised they were going to be in lockdown and carnival wasn't going to happen. And I mean, London was probably one of the last carnivals to turn around and say it's not going to happen when I think everyone knew it and most of the bands had actually pulled out. 
And I spoke to the to the carnival organisers as well uh, in terms of asking why they hadn't cancelled. And they have their reasons, which I, I won't reveal in public. If they want to re- reveal that in time, that's up to them. And I understood the reasons behind it in one sense and, and not in another. But even then, yeah, COVID-19 has hit us all. We have no carnivals. I think Trinidad... And I think one of our island may have been lucky to have their carnivals this year, but that's really been about it. Yeah. And, yeah, for the rest of the, the countries, I think we've got some uh, Jamaica move there to October. Ibiza Soca Festival turned around and said October, and obviously there's Miami. Ibiza Soca Festival now turned around and said they're not going to be able to hold it, which you kind of know. Jamaica is obviously still on shaky ground. I think even St. Lucia said they may even go to October. That's still not quite clear. And obviously there's Miami. And I just think all carnivals will just turn around and say, you know what, prepare for 2021 and make it special because hopefully we won't have this social distancing and everyone will want to travel. We will have been tired of being at home mm-hmm. and make it special and let everyone come out and celebrate being back together again and just pass this year off as just everyone trying to stay healthy and safe and be able to come back in our masses next year. Exactly. Because, you know, there's no socially distant way to whine on somebody in effect. <laughs> you know, it, it, our culture is not built for being socially distant. Where, when you think about it in regards to all of our music, reggae, lovers rock, soca, everything is, is contact. And mm-hmm. so even if it was on, there's absolutely no way you can guarantee anybody's safety. You know, even with the protests at the moment, but we feel so strongly about what's happening out there that we feel compelled to go out there and put our lives on the line because we do anyway every day as key workers and also just living. So, you know, but something has to give sometimes in some things. And soca, whilst it's important in our culture, is not that important right now to get out there and get out on the streets to say we need to go out there and enjoy ourselves. We have so many Zoom parties. I love them. (laughs) And I find them such a great way of just feeling like you're in a party with a room full of people, even though you're on your own. So they are filling that gap, what we don't have for the carnivals. And I'm hoping that, you know, people will embrace a little bit of technology. We never know how it's going to turn and how much more it could look like in our own homes. So let's wait and see. Yeah, exactly. And I do love, you know, you brought this up and this is really what we want to get into. People have been breaking quarantine because we're all being told, you know, stay home, stay safe. Um, Breaking quarantine to go out into the streets to protest for Black Lives Matter. And of course, it was sparked by the murder of George Floyd on May 25th. But Obviously, this is not a new story for anyone. You know, Black people have been getting, you know, killed by the police for decades. Um, and it's it's an interesting thing, you know. Of course, we want people to stay safe, but we also, I know we personally want to go out and show our support and contribute to the movement and hopefully turn this whole system around. What are you seeing in the UK? How are people doing this? In terms of in terms of the way that we're protested at yeah. the moment for change, mm-hmm. um, the, the saddest and the nicest thing about I shouldn't even say the nicest. The saddest thing about the the George uh, Floyd death was that it happened at a time where everyone's eyes weren't distracted. Mm-hmm. We weren't distracted by festivals and celebrities and reality TV shows. All we had was COVID nineteen, and then 
George Floyd happened. And the whole world then had a chance to see this is really happening. This has happened in front of our faces. Oh, my God. And now we've had a platform to see what's happening. We have to take advantage of that and show the world. Well, by the way, it's happening in the UK. It's happening in France. It's happening in Australia. It's happening in Spain. It's happening in Italy. And people are using it as a platform to say enough is enough. Because enough really is enough. And I think now we're having the protests. But there is a movement underground to really want change. There's a feeling now, it's a different vibe from years ago where you've protested and nothing happens. There's a real vibe here like, what are we doing? Like, where's all our black businesses? Let's get a listing up. Who's doing this? Um, now, I'm not following this person because this is how they feel and I want to follow positive people. So there's been real momentum underground that's not been shown in the media. That's what's happening. The media think we're protesting. It's going to go all quiet and it's going to go back to normal. I don't think it is. You know, everyone's had their personal gripes with things that have happened at work between friends that they're now starting to speak up. You know, I even wrote an open letter uh, to my last employers, and I don't mind to say HSBC, we're going to go through conversations next week. Um, but I felt brave enough at the end of my contract to say, you know what, this is how it's been for me, and you need to understand that. And it's because of George Floyd. It's because of this movement. And it's because I'm thinking, you know what, I no longer should have to stay quiet about this. I should no longer have to think, you know what, I might not get another job if I say this and I might be blacklisted or no one might not like me or people might say I'm wrong. I had I spoke to friends about this and they were saying, don't do this and do this and don't do that. And I just took away the fear mm. and did it. And I had a conversation about some of my friends with some element about protests and where it goes from here and there's nothing we can do, we've done everything. And it is, the bottom line is courage. We need a little bit of courage to say, we're going to change things and I'm not going to put up with this anymore and I'm prepared to stand on the front line for what I believe in. We've had so many people die before us to get us to this point where we are now. So I feel it will be so wrong to stop this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like you said, you know, out of everything bad comes something good. Right. So COVID-19, awful situation, hundreds of thousands of deaths around the world. But like you said, it did make sure that we were not distracted and people were glued to social media, glued to the Internet. And when this news broke, everyone saw it. You know, it was everyone really seeing what is happening. Of course, it's happening around the world, but seeing just the egregious nature of the police kneeling on someone's neck until this person dies. That is that is not what you expect from law enforcement. That is not what you pay your tax dollars for. And so everyone rightly became incensed and outraged and took to the streets. But I feel like part of it was also to get out. <laughs> you know, just to be outside doing something, contributing something, but really, you know, just to be be out and be with people. And of course, change is usually social. And so this yeah. happens in groups. Um, how how is has this been a different wave of protests in the in London, in the UK versus I'm sure there were protests before. I know when the the whole Windrush scandal happened, I heard that there was some uproar. Mm -hmm. How is this vibe different? Um, well, as 
as you quite rightly said, as what we see in, in the media and on the news, his, his death was was seen by so many people and resonated with so many people and horrified so many people that they felt compelled to act. And it wasn't just black people all of a sudden just thinking, this is not right. This was everyone thinking, or a good majority of people with a conscience, anyone with a conscience would look at that and say, it's not right, irrespective of colour. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've seen. We've seen people say, you know what, this is, this is real. And before, when I've heard it amongst my friends, I haven't really taken any notice because you kind of believe everything's okay. Black people have a house, they have a job, they're integrated in society. In England, it's not so much. We still have police brutality, but not on the scale as what we have in the US. So everyone's on this thinking it's okay. It's not on our doorstep. Well, it is. And we've now got a younger generation of people that are born and mixing with heavily with black people than our generation, you know, they're, they're their friends, you know, they're speaking a lingo on the London scene that is influenced heavily by, by a black language, by the Jamaican language. Um, and you also see mixed parentage as well. So all of this is having a lot of influences on our younger generation growing up. They're not seeing it's just black and white as our parents or their parents or their parents' parents did. They're growing up in a generation where it's it's diverse and it's multicultural. So therefore, it's not just black and white to them. It's, it's wow, these are people. Yeah. You know, they, they have a deeper conscience than our, than our predecessors. Yeah, that's a good point that there's just so many, there are black people in all communities that it's no longer something that you could just say, oh, that's black people over there. That's not something that's, um, like you said, on my doorstep or in my neighborhood. So I don't need to act. The black people will rise up for their own situation. We don't need to do anything. What do you think will come from this in London? What do you think? I mean, the policing in in London is very different to the policing in the U.S. What do you think will come from this? I think the, the problem is is that uh, the change that people are advocating for in America, first and foremost, is is the change on police tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's about, okay, we need to then look at not just police tactics, but education and welfare and how we're being treated in the system and jobs. And again, that's what we're looking at as well. We've suddenly looked at this as it's not just about police brutality. It's about how black people are seen and viewed. And we need to just change that narrative somehow. We need to work on how we're going to make that happen. And those are the next steps. Those are the most important steps, I think, for our children and our children's children, that they live in a place where... You're not judged by the colour of your skin and you're not racially profiled. You know, you can't just ring up the police and say, look, there's a black man following me and immediately a patrol car comes out. Mm-hmm. Is that an issue? Yeah. Have you heard that be an issue in London? Um, yes and no. You know, anytime you mention someone's black, it gains attention. But I think the most attention in London that, uh, that police uh, take is if you have a weapon. You know, because in America, it's natural for people to have a gun or something like that. But in England, it's not. So if you turn around and say he's black and he's got a gun, they're coming out to you straight away. If they've got a gun or a weapon, they're coming out to you straight away. It doesn't matter if they're black or they're white. But you add the black element onto it and it almost feels like it's exacerbated. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely that. There's definitely this fear of black people just existing too close to everybody else. You know, he's he's in my neighborhood. He's on my street. What's he doing here? I mean, here in the U.S., we've we've called the white women who call the police on black people all the time. We've called them Karens. Um, because they're just, it's, it's the fear of this person exists too close to me. What's he doing here? Show me your ID. I don't believe that you belong here. This whole idea that you don't belong in my community really adds to that fear and paranoia. Well, the, the, the worst thing is, is that I, I just feel like if that was me, I'd be like, well, where's your ID? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be reverse psychology for me like this is my building I'm here and you're asking me questions who are you show me your ID and I'll show you mine mm-hmm. you know because why would I have to reveal my identity to someone if I live there and they're asking me you show me yours I don't know if you live here just because you've come through the door with a key Some, you, you may have a boyfriend living here that's just giving you a key you might not be paying rent like everybody else mm-hmm. so who are you but I don't live in the US mm-hmm. you know it's it feels like it's it's governed by a whole different set of laws that you have to really think about before you answer sometimes because it really will be consequential to your situation thereafter, whether you get arrested, whether something happens after that. You know, it's, it's difficult. And you really have to stand your ground as an individual against the police in America and know your rights. If not, then I don't know. It's that's that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to to fight that you are correct or that you are right when the person fighting you is the the enforcement of the law, right? <laughs> that person who is a threat to you is the police. You know, they, that is who is threatening your life. Um, you know, prior to this, we had the Amber Geiger story where she broke into basically a black man's apartment and killed him. And she said she was fearing for her life. You came into his apartment <laughs> and you feared for the, your life. Was that the one that thought it was her own yeah, apartment? Yeah, she said she thought it was uh, her own apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's just this idea. And I don't know if that happens, you know, where you are, where there's this this need to segregate the communities so that white people feel safe knowing that their neighbors are not black. I don't know if that exists. Um, in the same way or to the same extent where you are? Um, it depends on the neighbourhoods. If you're going into a predominantly uh, sort of like middle class uh, area where there's hardly any black people, yes. Mm-hmm. All can neighbours start to judge and look at you like, what are they doing here? Who are they? Are they going to, you know, bring down the area? Because it does happen in the UK. The more that black people move into an area, the more that prices. Uh, start to decrease. It's, it's, and in fact, I don't know if the practice still happens. I can't say that, but it was something that was that happened and uh, was quite a widespread thing. Yeah, and I'm sure it does in certain areas that they consider like poverty areas or too many black people or too many immigrants. You know, house prices are always cheaper. But now we're going through gentrification. You know, certain areas that were heavily black populated or considered poverty areas are now being gentrified. Brixton is one prime example. Um, You enter Brixton now, and it's almost like spot the black person as opposed to before it'd be spot the white person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the industries and, and restaurants and things that have moved into 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 there doesn't show any of the history of Brixton or when we had any of our black people there. So yes. Mm. Wow. Wow. 
Yeah, gentrification is happening. I mean, I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> I think we are at the mecca of gentrification. Um, so I totally. Oh, that's coming. They're going to turn around and take Flatbush away and gentrify that. That would be a nightmare. I there's there's already <laughs> that move happening. Um, I wow. think the only places we have left in Brooklyn really are Brownsville and East New York, and I don't even know. I don't know if those are safe from gentrification um, because obviously the cost of living in New York is very high. And so people want to go where it's cheaper and that tends to be our neighborhoods. But they want to come for the cheap rent. They just don't want to come for the neighbors. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so they would just keep building houses, push the prices up, get people out. People default on mortgages and rents, they're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am curious, just as a last point, as a last takeaway, what do you think? I mean, you're seeing it from fresh eyes, fresh perspectives. You're seeing, you know, the protests happening globally as well. What do you think, let's say 2021, if we make it, (laughs) if we make it to 2021, what are you hopeful for other than that we resume our carnivals? What are you hopeful for? that we can do going forward, the progress you'd like to see, the one thing you'd like to see changed for 2021? Oh, gosh, that's so difficult to say. It's just one thing I'd like to see change. Um, The one thing I'd like to see change, well, there's several. The one thing I'd like to see change is uh, the, 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 the reliance on reality TV, number one, because that doesn't necessarily show people the true meaning of what's going on in people's lives and stop you know showing how rich people live and their wealth because I think sometimes this drives a lot of the angst and anger amongst our young people they they look at these people and think they aspire to be them and get there Um, and it's all sometimes about get rich quickly not work hard and get there slowly um, and fulfill steps along the way. It's just like, here's me at 18. I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 21, like the Kylie Jenners of this world. And it's just so hard trying to teach our kids to be self-respecting and fulfilling, hardworking people in an age where everyone just wants to make money quickly and have their five minutes of TV. You know, we're not... You know, and COVID, the one thing I've learned about COVID-19, it's it's allowed us time to be human beings again. You know, we haven't had this time where people have been paid to be off work. You know, for some of us in the UK, you know, we've been given government money to say, you know what, you can't work, no problem. Take this money and stay at home. Mm. I've seen so many fathers on the streets with their kids, you know, going to the park. Cycling has risen up by about 90%. can't get a bike right now in London. Mm. So now they're cutting the roads down. You know, you've had time to start painting and doing things that you haven't had time to do before. And if we were in 2020, if we didn't have COVID-19, we didn't have George Floyd, we'll all be racing away with our lives and going to different carnivals and drinking and having fun and meeting different people and living this fast life. And I think that this time has given us time to see what's happening out there, number one, with George Floyd. Number two, take a step back and say, you know what, move away from this fast life. Number three, what do I want for myself going forward now? I've had all this free time as perspective. Mm-hmm. So 2021 is going to be an eye-opener for lots of people because this is a perspective year for a lot of people. 
takeaways and think abouts and what am I going to do for 2021? How am I going to make myself a better person? How am I going to try and make everybody else around me a better person? Because that's what I'm going to try and do. How am I going to make everybody else around me a better person? By educating and talking, not by ignorance and saying, I don't like you because you don't like black people. Well, why don't you like black people? What's your issue? And what can we do to change that narrative? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I answered that question. I think I did no, in a roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm with you. I hope all of those things happen because you're right. This really has been a year where people have to be. I mean, we're only six months in, but this has been time where we've had to kind of sit back, reevaluate. What were we working so hard for? What are we trying to do? And what kind of world do we want to leave our kids? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Love it. Well, I love that you were able to join me for this. I love the insights that you dropped. It is good to know that regardless of what is happening in our individual governments around the world, we are all as human beings trying to change for the better and bring awareness to issues that matter. And this has been a really great time to just take stock of what's going on in our world and realize we're a global community. Correct. We are indeed. And I think that what's happening right now and what you can see around the world is showing you that we are a global community. People are reaching out and and pouring in with so much love. It's unbelievable. So yes. those are the things that make me smile every day and make me keep on marching out there in the London streets. Nice. Yes. Keep up the good fight. I appreciate that. But listen, 2021, we're going to just put it into the universe. The carnivals are coming back. What is the carnival you are looking forward to for 2021? Oh, you see, well, one of my favourite carnivals that I went to was actually, you know, you could name so many and everyone's got their favourites. And I've been to Trinidad and Muda and New York and Jamaica and everywhere, but in Grenada, but St. Vincent was my standout carnival. Um, The music from St. Vincent is, is... is not really up there on the map and I'm, I'm a fighter to, to get them up there but also their carnival is just amazing um, and it's really at this ground level it's not expensive it's just got a real family real family community vibe I would say I love St Vincent and I can't wait to go again that's the number one carnival on my list and I don't like to repeat carnivals because I like to go somewhere different and talk about it but St Vincent it's the number one carnival. I'll definitely go again. And those who haven't been need to go to St. Vincent. Definitely. <laughs> nice. Well, I am one who has not been. I'm going to put it on my to-do list for 2021. I will be at Vincent mm-hmm. Mass. Thank you very much. I think I might be at Vincent Mass for 2021 as well, seeing as I've picked them up so much. I have to be there. I want to go back to my motherland too. <laughs> nice. Nothing's better than that. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for joining the podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Drop your handles so that they know. Okay, so on Instagram, I'm on Real Sokadil. And Facebook, it's Real Sokadil. And Twitter, it's Real Sokadil. So really, really easy to find me. Nice. Real Sokadil. Or they can go to realsokadil.com and read all of your reviews. Correct. Love it. Love it. Thank you again. This has been wonderful. We will put all of the show notes and the information so that people can reach out to you directly. And of course, so that they can get their their list together for all the carnivals around the world that you have in a nice, neat, convenient package. Um, but I'm circling Vincey Mass. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate being a, a 
guests on your podcast at any time. Following you as well. Loving what you're doing. So big up to you too. Wow. That was a lot. She hit a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I mean, first of all, starting off with Carnival. We miss it. We want it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the time when we're, you know, we thought the only thing we had to worry about was getting sick and missing Carnival. We have to worry about protecting ourselves in these streets against cops. Hmm. too much. Yeah. But, you know, being from the Caribbean, many of us have family in the UK. So it's it's really good to hear that perspective because we want to know what's going on with auntie and cousins over there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I in coming up with my rave song because <laughs> I feel like it's time. It is uh, so time. I realize we haven't featured a UK soca artist. The nerve. I mean, there's so many of them. So finally, here we are. I choose Sunshine and the Diva, and the song is called Unstoppable. Say what you want, no reason to try and stop me, I'm unstoppable. Talk all your talk, say what you want, no reason to try and stop me, I'm unstoppable. If I want to walk my way over there, I'm unstoppable. If I want to drop my way over there, Dream, Tuesday at the funny scene Wednesday it's all about me Now they're talking, why they're talking for Thursday at the on the road Friday, Saturday I'm watching up show Sunday I nearly lost it all So I do whatever I want I do not care what they talk I do whatever I want God alone ego judge us So I do whatever I want I do not care what they talk I do whatever I want God alone ego judge us I love it. Yes, we are unstoppable. Mm. <laughs> I mean, waistline unstoppable. But, you know, <laughs> the people, once we get together, once we unify, once we unite and, and get our voices out there and use our our money, our, our time, our influence, and really try to build up our own legacy, we are unstoppable. I don't, that was a good choice. I love like that. that. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good idea. Yes. And I want to know what is your voice saying right now? Use your voice. Send us some comments. What, what are you, what are you trying to change right now? What do you, what's the movement you're in? Absolutely. We definitely need to hear about that. What you want to see happen in your own neck of the woods. <laughs> but in the meantime, make sure that you are following us. Follow Soka Say So on all social media or go to SokaSaySo.com. Follow this chick on all social media or go to D-Y-S-C-H-I-C-K.com. And make sure also, you guys, we interviewed Allison Thomas of Real Soka Deal. She has a global carnival database. Make sure you hit that up 
for next year, you know, database kind of kind of dry this year. <laughs> but check that out for 2021. Let's start planning we where we're going to go in 2021 when hopefully we have the opportunity to travel and fet and jump up again. Yes. Ah, that's a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for the next one. Okay, bye.